0: I want to thank Marty for his message. I think it's interesting that we somehow often believe that we can draw near to God, and yet we neglect so many things. You know, I was looking as he was preaching that passage, and just before the part on prayer, it says, "When you give to the needy." It it doesn't say if you give to the needy; it says when. And God ties those three things together in His Word. I want to ask you to think about something with me this evening. I want you to think about the fact that you and I are greatly blessed in the fact that we serve a God who has spoken, a God who is not silent. We serve a God that does not require of His people that we sit around and think and conjecture about what He might be like what he might say or what he might do, but rather we serve a God who has spoken and he has done so very clearly. Because of that, I believe we are greatly blessed because we don't have to guess. And while there are times when we see what God has said and we don't particularly like it, we still can be comforted by the fact that God has spoken. And so this evening, in the time that we have remaining, I want us to think about drawing near to God as we listen to what He has said. We're going to look in Exodus chapters 19 and 20, but before we get there, I want to bring you up to date about where we are at in the story in the book of Exodus If you go back to chapter 14, you see where the people of God cross over the Red Sea, and they do so on dry land. They were fearful. They had come to the Red Sea, and they began to worry that this entire escape that Moses had orchestrated with God's help, this entire escape that had been made possible by the plagues that God had poured out upon Egypt, that it had come to an end as they get to the Red Sea, and they can't get across but God because these are his people and he has led them and he has blessed them even though they are they're somewhat worried God is not and he parts the red sea and they walk across on dry land when we get into chapter 15 we find that the people of God begin to grumble and that is a word that is used constantly over These chapters, they grumble because the water is not good. They grumble because they are hungry. They didn't want to fast, I guess. They wanted to eat. They grumble because they are thirsty and there is no water where God has brought them to. They grumble and they grumble and they grumble. But one thing you might miss if you pick up on all the grumbling that is going on in these chapters is you may miss the fact that God at various points either tells them to listen to what He is saying or we hear about Moses listening. The people are grumbling, but Moses is listening. In chapter 15, verse 26, God says to listen. In chapter 16, verse 20, they do not listen. Even in verse 18, Moses listens to his father-in-law. Which is an important thing to do. Mine's here tonight, that's why I would say that. They listen. The people grumble, but Moses listens. And God's been speaking to Moses. He spoke to him at the beginning of this book as he talked out of that bush that was burning. He even gave him specific instructions out of that bush. Even before he could listen, he was to take off his shoes because he was in a holy place. And we assume that Moses listens because he wasn't destroyed. And he got to hear what God had to say. And so we come to chapter 19, and I want to begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to read a little ways and then skip ahead. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, "'Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, "'You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians.' And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, you shall be My treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is Mine, and you shall be to Me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There are words that you shall speak to the people of Israel." Verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you and that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. I hope this evening he'll add to the reading and the hearing of his word. We serve a God who has called us out of our sin and given us new life in Him, and He speaks to us. That, to me, sounds absurd. You may not think much about it, and that might be because you've not thought much about it. Because if you think about it, it's crazy that the God of the universe who has made everything, who is holy and righteous and perfect, would speak to people such as we are, in the sinful condition in which we live. We miss great opportunities to listen to God. And I believe because we miss so many opportunities to listen to God, that is why we have such trouble being close to God. As a matter of fact, I believe we would be greatly grieved this evening if God brought into our mind all the times that we have missed listening to Him. If all of a sudden we could remember all of those opportunities that God has given us, I think it would make us extremely sad people. As we read this in Exodus, we see a time when the people have the opportunity to have access to God in a way that they have never had before. God has not made this opportunity available to His people before this point, And here it is. Not since the Garden of Eden, when they sinned and God kicked them out, and when sin entered into the world, have they had this opportunity. And it's here. And as we read, as we go to the end of chapter 20, they miss it. As I read, preparing for this, I read of commentators and in, in, in commentaries who talked about you know, how terrible it would have been to have seen this side and how devastating it would have been to the people to hear God's voice and how throughout the Old Testament God's voice is connected with fear and trembling and it is a powerful voice but when you read this passage God wants to meet with his people it's not like they walked around the corner of this mountain and that's where God was and whoops we weren't supposed to go there God says, I want to be with you. I want to meet with you. He says in verse 9 of chapter 19, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe you forever. He wants to speak to his people. And they miss it. They miss it because they're scared. They miss it because they're frightening. They're frightened. So I want to talk to you tonight. I want us to to think together about what it takes to be ready to draw near to God. How great it is that Marty could could provide us with that that fasting, that thing we can do that that draws us into God. That's what this passage is about. Because we don't have to make the mistakes that they made, but in the end it was one thing that kept them... From drawing near to God. So let's look first in chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. It is imperative that we obey God if we want to draw near. It is impossible to draw near to Him while not obeying Him. And that's not rocket science. But we miss it. Just like we miss it when we don't fast. Just like we miss it when we don't pray. When we don't give to the needy. We fail to draw near because we fail to obey. Look what he says to them. He says in verse 5, Now therefore if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. He says obey my voice. God was going to speak to them. He's going to tell them things that they needed to do. The part that I didn't read, which you're very familiar with in Exodus chapter 20, we know as the Ten Commandments. God gives these foundational laws that will provide them an understanding of His holiness. As we look through the Ten Commandments, that's what God is is saying to us. He is telling us about how holy He is. And in the end, how holy we are not. As we go to the New Testament, and, and it's, it's a little ironic and a little humorous when this guy claims that he's kept all of the commandments from his youth. Yeah, you're right. When Jesus points out clearly in the New Testament that the command not to murder is much deeper than taking a knife and stabbing someone. The command not to commit adultery is, is much deeper than a simple act of, of being with one who is not your spouse. It, it, it runs much deeper than that. Because the Ten Commandments get to, get to our heart. They get to our very core and they, they show us that we are unholy and unrighteous. But he says if you want to draw near, it's about obeying what he has said. You know, after we get past Exodus 20, we, if you flip through these, you see all these parts that preachers never preach from. Because not far after Exodus, we get into Leviticus, and none of us ever go there. Because it's all these rules. And some of them are really odd. I mean, some of them are just weird. And we just dismiss most of them, right? We, that's the Old Testament. You know, we're not going to worry about that. We, can, we live under grace, so we can skip Leviticus But what all these laws tell us is how holy our God is. And any time we skip over any of them, what we're failing to understand is another part of God's holiness. That He he gave us this law we would find out in the New Testament so that we could see that we were in desperate need of a Savior. That we could not live up to His standards. That it didn't matter how many sacrifices we made. It didn't matter how many times we went to the temple and made a sacrifice on a certain day. How many times that priest went into the holiest place in the inner part of the temple and he made that sacrifice every year. It, It didn't matter. It wasn't enough. Because he would walk right back out. And He would walk back out among a people who were sinful. And because they were sinful, they were going to have to bring Him another animal. And He was going to have to sacrifice that animal. It was going to have to shed its blood. And its blood would never be enough to cover their sins. But in all of that, He says, obey my voice. In all of that, He says, if you'll just listen to me. If you'll just listen to what I am saying, if you'll just obey what I am saying to you, you will be my treasured possession. And I love the response. He tells that to Moses, right? So Moses goes back down. Verse 7, chapter 19. He goes back down to the elders of the people. And he set before them all these words that God had commanded. And there's like one big voice. You know, as Baptists, I don't know if you're all Baptists. A lot of us are Baptists, as you can probably tell. This is First Baptist. We don't do a lot of responsive readings, but they're in the back of your hymnal somewhere. And like you say some stuff, and I say some stuff, and that's how responsive reading goes. And that's almost like what we get here, right? This is what they say. And they all say together, verse 8, All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. Wow. That lasted for about a chapter and a half. They hadn't done it so far. I mean, before when they're given the manna, right? God says, Don't keep it. And what do they do? Verse 16 says, but they, or sorry, in chapter 16, verse 20, it says, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning. That was easy, right? Pick it up in the morning. It's going to be good all day. Throw it away. When you get to the Sabbath, make enough for two days because you're not going to get out and work on the Sabbath. But now they're ready to say, when God says, if you will obey my voice, you will be my people. And they all come together and they say, Yes, God, we're going to do that. We need to be careful when we agree to do something with God. We need to be careful when we agree that we're going to listen to God. As a matter of fact, when we do that, we need to do it on our own. Marty was talking about being in a a quiet, secret place. We need to do that when we agree to obey, because I don't want to agree with you that we're all going to do this, because some of you are going to mess up. I'll stick to me, you stick to you, we'll do this together, but, but I'm going to agree to obey God on my own, and you need to do it as well. This is not like in a Baptist church when we all vote, and like all those who agree say aye, and all the eyes murmur around here. and We don't know who said no in the background. This is important. And they all say it together, we're going to do what you say. But I don't know if you have read anywhere past Genesis, I mean, Exodus chapter 20, but if you read the rest of the Old Testament, they don't do it. They don't listen. Time after time after time after time, God sends them kings, God sends them prophets, God sends them judges, and they do not listen to his voice. But friends, if we want to draw near to God, we've got to obey. We've got to take him at his word. We've got to trust that this word that he has given us is sufficient and that it has the answers. And when he has said that we should do something, that is what we do. And when he says that we do not do something, that's something we stay away from. We run as far away from it and as fast as we can. God has spoken. And he says, if you obey my voice... You'll be my people. He says a second thing. They've got to obey to draw near, and we've got to obey to draw near. But secondly, still in chapter 19, look at verses 10 through 15. They had to prepare to draw near. The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, this is verse 10, and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the people went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments, and he said, "Do to the people, be ready for the third day, do not go near a woman." I don't know why that got thrown in there to the end, but apparently that'll mess you up too I'm not sure why, but it's there. I don't know what it says in the original Hebrew. One of these scholars down here will have to help me with that one. They're to prepare. Did Moses walk down the mountain and he go to the people and say, "Uh, okay guys, we'll see you in a couple days. God's going to come and speak. They'd have been scared out of their mind, right? God has never done this before. He has never showed up to speak to them and they needed to be ready. He says, take these two days and prepare them for what is ahead. Prepare them for what I'm going to do because they need to be ready when I show up. And they need to know the parameters of what I'm going to do when I do show up. And God's serious about this. He says, when I show up on this mountain, they are not to come, but so far. And if they step over this line, onto this mountain, they are to be put to death. And not only are they to be put to death, But you're not to even touch them, which would make you then defiled. You're to throw rocks at them or shoot them with arrows. Take your pick. And I assume a combination of the two would be appropriate. God takes serious the preparation necessary for us to draw near to him. We just show up, right? I mean, I think about today. Getting ready for this. It's been crazy. It's been a crazy month. A month ago, I was in Asia thinking about getting ready for this. That's how our lives become. We go from one thing to the next to the next to the next. Sometimes our calendars have us here and here, and we're, we're having to do this, and we got we got to pencil this in, and we need to find enough time to go here, and 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 then if you're like me and you're married and you got kids, sometimes you find out that a bunch of those things on your schedule can't happen because there's another schedule that's going to trump yours, and so we go around most of the time very unprepared. We just try to make it happen. We we go on the fly. And God says, that's not how you draw near to me. You don't accidentally just show up and be close to God. Now, sometimes God shows up very unexpectedly. Sometimes he shows up when when we don't think we're ready, but he's been preparing our hearts some other way. But when our hearts are not ready, God is not going to show up. Because there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the world where God's working, and he's working in the hearts of people who are prepared. So shouldn't our goal be to be prepared for God to show up at any moment, at any time? Shouldn't we be prepared when we show up on Sunday mornings? Not just a special Sunday morning, Not a a Sunday morning like we'll have this Sunday morning where we have a a special speaker coming in and he's flying halfway across the country and, and we've had it on our calendar for months. Shouldn't we be prepared in the third Sunday in July when half the people are at the beach? Shouldn't we be prepared to tell them the next week about how much they missed God showing up? Shouldn't we be prepared on Monday when we walk out the door going into work, not knowing what God is going to do. We prepare for so many things in life, but we don't prepare for God showing up. He tells them that He's coming on the third day. And no, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. He's coming on the third day and they need to get ready. They need to wash their garments. They need to be thinking about what is coming. They need to be planning not to go further than God is allowing them to come. They need to be consecrated By the one who's standing in between them and God, Moses, the one who is talking to God on their behalf, they need to be ready. Are we not close to God because we're just not ready? We can say we're ready. I'd love to see God do something amazing. We, we talk about the spiritual condition of our country. We look at our culture and how it is descending further and further into chaos, and it's doing so more and more rapidly. But those things happening, and a, spore, a poor spiritual condition in our country is not preparation for God to move and speak to us. It's about us getting our hearts ready for God to move. I remember spending time with pastors in a place I used to live, and they would gather every week, and they still gather every week. And they pray. They pray for God's revival. And I think about... Some of them them prayed until the time that they died. I think about the passage in in Hebrews that talk about all these, these saints of old and how they kept the faith even though they did not get to see God's promises fully fulfilled. What would it be if we lived in that type of state in our life? where we were constantly ready to see God move, and we would be satisfied simply being ready for Him to move. Prepared. Knowing that if if He doesn't move, it's not going to be on us. It's going to be because it's not His time, it's not His will, but we were ready. He tells them to get prepared because He's going to show up, and when He shows up, He's going to speak and he says here thirdly they've got to listen for god to draw near chapter 20 he gives us these 10 commandments and you know we 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 i've heard the 10 commandments preached we we go through them all the time but but i don't know that i've ever heard anyone preach about the response of the people to the 10 commandments because it wasn't clapping and joy they didn't get a band up there and start playing and everybody dance around with, with tambourines or or whatever they had. God gives the Ten Commandments and they're scared to death. God gets done speaking. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Ten commandments given. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. I don't remember that being part of the Ten Commandments. But It's right here. I assume it's that way in your translation too. I hope so, because if not, you probably need to get another one. They're scared. They're frightened. The creator of the universe just spoke to them, and he, he did so in such a terrifying way that they are left scared to death. He didn't have to worry about them running up on that mountain and touching something they shouldn't so that they were stoned to death. They were as far away as possible. We like to think that we would have been right up there on the line. Like, if this is the line, that's us, and we want to hear God, and we're leaning over as far as we can. No, they were running away because they're terrified. They're scared. And Moses tells them, don't don't be afraid. Don't, Don't fear. Don't run away. It says, Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. God desperately wants His people to listen. And in this opportunity that they have to listen, they run away. Of course, they don't keep the Ten Commandments. All these laws, laws about slaves and laws about social justice and laws about what you can eat and can't eat and wear and can't wear, it was all just to complement what is given here in chapter 20, and they can't even listen to that. They run away, afraid. If we're not going to listen to God, we can't draw near to Him. I'll be honest, I think when you go to the New Testament, some of the sayings are, some of them are a lot harder and some of them are a lot easier. Like in the New Testament, apparently you get to eat pork. That's a good thing. You can eat bacon. But the trade-off of eating bacon is you've got to love your neighbors yourself. Like in the Old Testament, it's, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and, and all that fun stuff. And, and you get to, to stone this guy if he does this, and you get to throw this guy in a pit, and you get to do whatever to this guy. And you got to love your neighbors yourself. I think it's okay. I like bacon, so I think it's a pretty good trade off. But guess what? It's just harder eating bacon and loving your neighbor. He says that that Jesus says, I'm the way. He says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. See, that one's hard. See, it sounds good for all of us because probably all of you, if you've come to a prayer conference in May on a Friday night, we're betting you're probably a Christian. But... When we think about Jesus being the only way. No, no man shall come to the Father except through me. It makes a big statement. Because it tells us that people that don't know him, that people don't, that don't believe in him, they don't have any hope. It means they're going to walk through this life and if they never hear the good news that Christ has died for them, they will die and they will go to hell with no hope. That one's harder. That one's harder to hear and to listen to. He tells us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. And we think that's, you know, some easy kindergarten, Sunday school fairy tale. You know, the burden is I have to get up early to come to church. That's my cross. told somebody that I go to church, that's, that's taking up my cross for Jesus. Except the cross is one of, if not the most horrific way that's ever been invented by humanity to kill another human being. That's hard. And that's hard to listen to. And it's why we live in a world today that completely rejects the things of God. They completely reject the fact that God has spoken. They completely reject it and deny it, and they want nothing to do with it. It's why we live in a very difficult time to share the gospel with people, because they do not want to believe in things like a cross. Especially a cross that's been covered by the blood of a man. Even more so, a cross... On which the son of God died. And it was God that put him there. We can say it was the Jews chanting. We can say it was the mean Roman soldiers. We can say it was Pilate. But it was God who offered the sacrifice of his son. And that's hard to listen to. 1 Corinthians says that it's foolishness to those who are perishing. So, if we want to draw near... We've got to listen. We've got to listen even when God is speaking out of the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. We have to listen even when He gives us these commands that are sometimes hard to hear. When He gives us His Word that tells us that we may go and die for our faith. That if we're going to follow Him, we will take on whatever punishment it is that the world brings upon us for our faith in Christ. If we want to draw near to God, we must listen. We must obey. We must prepare. You know, in this passage, God desires that His people would come and listen to Him. He's going to show up. He's going to leave His place in heaven and He's going to come to this mountain near where they're at. And all they've got to do is, is come out of their their tents, their dwelling places. They've got to prepare for two days and come to the foot of the mountain and they get to hear God speak to them. And He's going to speak and when He speaks, they're going to get to listen. See, up until now, He had spoken to Moses and, and they got to hear what He said through Moses. And they had to believe as they got ready to leave Egypt that, that it was I Am, as He tells Moses to tell the people, it was, it was I am who was leading them, but, but now they get the opportunity to stand at the foot of this mountain, and God is going to speak, and they're going to get to hear God speak, and he says that if they do that, they'll believe in what you're saying. But when they come here, these verses make me so sad. Because they had the opportunity to listen to God. And instead of being there and, and and embracing what God says and being truthful in their response that they're going to listen, they, they turn away and they go far off. But, but there's hope here because in verse 21, the people stood far off. We know that. But while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was, there was somebody who was willing to, to look at, at what was... Frightening, what was what was scary there is as the mountain was covered with smoke and there was thunder and trumpets and, and the earth is shaking, and, and someone looks and is willing to go in toward where that is happening on their behalf. Because it's such a beautiful picture of what Christ does for us. Because, see, Moses was the one who stood between them and God, he was their mediator, he was the one who talked to God on their behalf. But what's beautiful about this is that one day Christ would go to the cross. He would die in our place. And He would prepare on the first and second day. And on the third day, He would rise again. And because Christ is risen now, you and I can go with Moses. We can draw near to where God is at and we can do so through Him. Because here's the reality, folks. If you and I had been standing right here on this line and God began to speak and the thunder sounded and the trumpet sounded, you and I would have ran off too. Because we would have been scared out of our minds. But in Christ, we can join with Moses and we can walk toward God. We can join with Him. The, the perfect mediator, the new mediator that we have in Christ. We can join with Him and we join with Moses and we can walk toward where God is. We don't have to be scared. We still have to obey. We still have to prepare our hearts. We still have to listen. But instead of standing at the foot of this dark mountain. The book of Hebrews in chapter 12 tells us that we... We don't stand at the foot of that dark, scary mountain, but we stand at the foot of Mount Zion. We stand outside the holy city. We, we stand with God, and we stand with angels who, who are celebrating. We stand with all of them, and that is the place that we have been given in Christ. It is not a place that is terrifying and scary, but it is a place that we can walk toward and draw near to God, and we can do so in Christ. So we have a choice before us. Do we stand off? Do we stand as far away as we can get? Do do we act like God is someone who who can't be touched, who can't be talked to, who who we don't have access to? Do we get like the people and we get scared of what God might say? Because listen, the things in this book, some of them are hard. Some of them you don't want to do. Some of them are going to make you change your life. Some of them are going to make you act differently than you do now. And that's a good thing, but you might not want to do that. So you can make that choice. You can stand far off from God. You can get as far away from Him as you want. You can reject Him and deny Him and run away. Or you can draw near. Even when it looks like What is ahead of you is a thick cloud of dark smoke. Something that is ahead of you is is scary and frightening. But it's where God is. And so that's what we choose. Will we obey His Word? Will we rejoice in the fact that the God of the universe has spoken and He's spoken to you? He didn't just speak to people of old. He didn't just speak to people who have long since died. But he gave us his word so that every time we open it, every time we go to him in prayer, he speaks. That's the choice before us this evening. It's the decision we have to make. See, the sad thing and the turning point here. is if you look, as you begin to read the rest of Exodus, you begin to read the rest of the Torah, the first five books, you begin to read of the judges, and you begin to read of the kings, and you begin to read of the prophets, you see that this is a missed opportunity. This is a place where they failed to listen, and from then on out, there were consequences. It's a place where they could have heard God speak, but instead they reject Him. Later on, they would demand to have a king, and God would say, but I'm your king. You don't need another one. I'm your king. And they they wanted one. Well, Why? Well, in part because they they hadn't listened. They could have heard their king speak, but they stand far off. So what are you going to do this evening? What's going to be our decision? Are we going to forget another command? We're going to leave here and forget that God has said, and when you fast, and when you pray, and when you give. we're just going to save well, this? Not that important. Are we going to look at the other things God has commanded us to do? You'll love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to love one another. You're going to go into all the world and make disciples. Are we going to just say those are suggestions? Or are we just going to write them off? Because if we do, let me promise you this, we will not draw near to God. Will we continue to come to worship with our hearts unprepared? Will we continue to go out each morning without our hearts being prepared for what God might do in that day? Because if we do... We will not draw near to God. He will not draw near to us. It's not going to happen. We will not be ready. And Above all, are we going to listen to His Word? If you will indeed obey my voice. That's the choice before us. So I want to encourage you to make the choice. Don't make the wrong one. Don't go off and do your own thing. Don't fail to listen to this. Don't fail to listen to these messages. More importantly, don't fail to listen to God's Word. But what I want us to do as we get ready to close out this service tonight, I want to call all of us, me most of all, to gather around with God. And say, God, do what it takes in my life. Do what it takes in the life of this church and every church that's represented here. Do what it takes. God, do what it takes in the hearts and lives of the people in the foothills of North Carolina, in the Catawba River Association, the Catawba Baptist Association, and the North Carolina Baptist Convention. God, do whatever it takes to bring us close to you. Do whatever it takes to cause us to obey your word. Do whatever it takes to prepare our hearts for your arrival, God. Do whatever it takes to cause us to listen to your voice. I want to pray for us. The musicians are going to come, but I want you to come. I I want all of us to come together and to pray that God, would prepare our hearts to obey Him and to listen to His Word. Will you come as we pray together this evening? As we gather together, just pray that God would just give us revival. That He would revive our hearts. That He would revive our hearts by, by our obedience to Him. That He would revive our hearts in preparation for what He's going to do. In preparation for this weekend, in preparation for everything that He has for us. Just pray that God would do that in our midst that we would see Him move in a mighty way that we have never experienced before. God has promised us great great things. He's promised us great blessings. He's he's poured out His blessings on our nation before, on our community before. and Just pray that He would do that again. And that as He does that, that He would do so by preparing our hearts. Heavenly Father God we are beyond grateful that you speak to us God that we we're not left alone we're we're not left in a position where we have to figure everything out on our own but God you have spoken to us God I thank you that you've done so clearly God I thank you that you God you don't leave revival up to us God, you you don't leave it to to our efforts or our abilities. But God, you're the one who sends a great moving of your spirit. And so, God, we pray that you would just revive our hearts. God, that you would send, God, a fresh and a new touch. God, a touch that leads us to trust in you to believe in You, and God, to follow You. But God, I pray that we would be ready for whatever You're going to send us. God, that we would be ready by God, obeying what You have said. God, that we would listen to Your commands. We would listen to Your statutes. God, that we would embrace Your Word. God, that it would be on our heart, on our mind, on our lips. And God, by obeying your word, you would prepare us for revival. God, whatever it takes, whatever we need to do, God, I pray that you would be pointing that out. You would be showing us that. You would be, God, giving us the things that we need to be prepared for what is to come. And God, above all, I pray that we would listen. God, I think sometimes we miss revival because we've not listened to you. We ask all these questions about what you would want us to do and have us to do. And God, there are things that you have already spoken on. There are things that you've already said to us and instructed us on. And God, if we would just listen, God, we would hear you speak and we would find joy in it. So God, I pray that for each person gathered here, whatever it is that they're They're dealing with whatever it is that they're going through, God, whatever it is that has prevented them from drawing near to you. God, that you would just remove that. God, you would just speak clearly to them. And that, God, as you speak clearly, they would hear your voice. God, they would respond. And God, their hearts would be revived. God, help us all to draw near to you. God help us to just embrace your love, your care, your mercy and grace. God, I just pray that as we go throughout this entire weekend, God that our hearts would be ready to to listen to what you have to say. That they would be ready to respond, God, to whatever it is you call us to do. And that God we would find God we would find great joy in hearing your word. God, drawing near to you. And God, I pray this this evening in the holy and precious name of Christ. Amen.
1: Come sin sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus
0: prayer for you tonight as we get ready to go is that you'll listen to listen to what God has said because he's graciously spoken to us hope you'll come back tomorrow night I hope you'll be a part of the conference throughout the whole weekend um, we've got some resources in the back and you look at those as you get ready to go uh, but I want to pray for us and just pray that God would continue to speak to us always. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You that You're so good to us. God, we're so undeserving. We, God, we don't listen. We don't obey. We don't prepare. But God, You love us anyways. God, You speak to us anyways. God, You have come out of that thick cloud of darkness God, You've given us the light of Your Son, Christ. And You speak to us through Him. God, You speak to us through Your Word. And God, so I pray that as we go from this place tonight, that we would go excited about what You're going to do. That we would go excited about the fact that we can listen to You. That we can obey You. God, we can go and we can fast with joy. We can go and we can pray with joy. We can go and we can give with joy. We can go graciously and wonderfully and excitedly expecting what You're going to do. And God, so we pray that You would move for the rest of this weekend, that You would move in our churches and that God, we would see our community and our state and our nation and the world revived and excited for you. God, so send us from this place. Take us from here, and God, use us for your kingdom and for your glory. God, speak to us and lead us and guide us, and we pray this in Christ's name this evening. Amen. You're dismissed.